Hi, I'm Steve Lance, your host of the Capitol Report on NTD News. If you have not done so yet, please hit that subscribe button to stay up to date with all of the latest news coming out of the nation's capital and beyond. The World Economic Forum's annual event just wrapped up in Davos, Switzerland last week. This is an organization that is just another three-letter abbreviation to most people, but the content coming out of their meetings is starting to raise some eyebrows, and people are taking notice. Our next guest is Clay Clark, host of the Thrive Time podcast out of Tulsa, Oklahoma, and we're happy to have him on with us. Clay Clark, thank you so much for joining us on the Capitol Report. Hey, I appreciate you guys. Let me be here. Thank you. Clay, you're uh, based in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Before we start our interview, I just want to say our thoughts and prayers are with the uh, people in Tulsa after the uh, the shooting that took uh, four people's lives uh, thus far um, in, in Tulsa. I just want to make sure that, you know, your immediate family and friends are, are all safe as well. You know, uh, it is, uh, thank, thank you for asking that. It, it, it is, uh, I'm not saying this prophetically. I'm just saying this because I, I have read this book called The Great Reset, uh, written by Klaus Schwab. And I would just tell you that you are going to see a, a ratcheting up of gun violence uh, in the coming months. And I hate to say that, I hate to see that pattern, but that is what's going to happen because the Great Reset narrative is not its not possible for it to be fully implemented without wrestling the guns and the Second Amendment rights Americans have away from them. So you're going to see an increase in gun violence here in the coming months. So, Clay, I mean, on that note, the World Economic Forum just wrapped up last week. Uh, this is a place where some of the most wealthy, powerful people in the world come together. Uh, give us a little bit of background on this organization and when it was founded. Yeah, well, in 1971, the World Economic Forum was founded by Klaus Schwab per the recommendation of Henry Kissinger. Okay, Henry Kissinger, also in 1971, encouraged Richard Nixon, our president, to get off the gold standard. So 1971, America got off the gold standard per the recommendation of Henry Kissinger. And in 1971, the World Economic Forum was founded per the recommendation of Henry Kissinger. So 1971 was the year it all began. And uh, when it began, they began implementing a 50-year plan. And that plan is uh, being fulfilled right now during the year 2022 uh, on, on me, you, on all of us right now. We are living through the implementation of the Great Reset. Now, sometimes when we talk about the Great Reset, we hear it um, in the agenda of the globalist uh, elites. Um, the conspiracy theorist label gets thrown around. So I want to play a clip of a gentleman by the name of uh, Yuval Noah Harari. The COVID crisis is this is the moment when everything went digital. And if, this, is, this was the moment when every, everything became monitored. That we agreed to be surveyed all, all the time, not just in authoritarian machines, but even in democracies. And maybe most importantly at all, this was the moment when surveillance started going under the skin. Clay, so let me ask you, is this Mr. Harari uh, just some nobody off the street, or where does he fit into this World Economic Forum? Well, this is very interesting. You know, uh, uh, Barack Obama, President Barack Obama, he became the president largely uh, per the recommendation of Rick Warren. If you remember, Rick Warren, the famous pastor, um, he's a member of the World Economic Forum, and he encouraged every evangelical out there to vote for Barack Obama, which got Barack Obama enough votes to become president. Well, then Barack Obama decided to introduce the world to an author, which he praises by the name of Yuval Noah Harari. Yuval Noah Harari has now been celebrated and praised by the likes of TED Talks, uh, New York Times, Stanford, Harvard, 
MIT, check this out. Bill Gates, Zuckerberg, Obama, they all praise Yuval Noah Harari. And many people actually now refer to him as the prophet. Unbelievable. Uh, Clay, just switching gears a little bit, you're based in the great state of Oklahoma where you run your uh, your show and your businesses. Talk to us about the 2022 midterms. Uh, Oklahoma has some big races coming up. What are the issues driving uh, voters in your state? Well, Oklahomans love the Constitution, and we want to conserve the Constitution, which gives us our First Amendment, our Second Amendment, our Third Amendment. And so in Oklahoma, you're going to see uh, we, all 77 counties actually voted for President Donald J. Trump. So I believe in Oklahoma right now, you're going to see Oklahomans come out in force. Uh, many Oklahomans who are aware of the issues are choosing to vote for Pastor Jackson Lawmeyer, Pastor Jackson Lawmeyer, uh, as opposed to Senator Jackson, uh, Senator uh, Lankford. Senator James Lankford actually uh, refused to acknowledge Acknowledge election fraud. He's in favor of renaming America's military bases, and he often uh, sides with the organization Black Lives Matter. That so many Americans, uh, especially Oklahomans, are not a big fan of the organization Black Lives Matter, d- despite the fact that they stole the sentiment of that phrase. And they're not of uh, the um, Oklahomans are not in favor of senators that deny that election fraud did in fact take place. So Oklahomans are going to be voting for uh, Pastor Jackson Lawmeyer to become the next uh, senator there in Oklahoma. Clay Clark, thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate it. The pandemic lockdowns and mandatory vaccinations have shaken the free world. Our next guest is Naomi Wolf, author of the brand new book, The Bodies of Others, where she explains the totalitarian turn the free world has taken in the wake of the global pandemic. Naomi Wolf, thank you so much for joining us in the Capitol Report. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Amy, I, ju- I just got this copy of your book here, and I'm about halfway through, and I have to say it is such a fascinating perspective and a very refreshing read. Um, speaking of perspective, you didn't always see things the way that you do in your book. Uh, tell us about that. Um, well, thank you for your kind words. I, I feel like I, I haven't changed, but the world around me has changed. Um, I wrote a book in 2008 called The End of America, which did predict that we could lose our liberties here in the United States if we weren't careful. And I looked at history and I saw that tyrants, whether they're on the left or the right, always do the same 10 things. And I was seeing those 10 steps put in place. So um, this is really continuing the same argument, uh, except, you know, hurtling into a future of catastrophe if we're not you know, if we're not awake sort of immediately, um, this picks up at step 10. So this argues that what's happened since the pandemic is that we've reached the end point of democracy and we're really in a, a something completely historically unprecedented, which is a war against human beings um, by a few bad actors, uh, whether it's tech companies who want to suppress the human advantage, whether it's um, the Chinese Communist Party, a very active participant in this war against the West, especially against America particularly, or whether it's um, pharma or bad nonprofits like the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, they're accelerating this, uh, you know, really conscious attack on, on our thought processes, our communities, our kids especially, our way of life. So I've always been a constitutionalist. I've always believed in human liberty. Um, you may be referring to the fact that I come from the left, and now most people listening to me happen to be conservatives and libertarians. I don't care. You know, this is a moment in which the only way we can save our country and really our our, our 
human species is for people to unite across party lines and you know reassert uh, human rights in the Constitution. I mean, do you think that this is a left or right issue? And I guess, um, how did you come about you know changing your mind? Who were the key people that you know opened your eyes? I guess to certain things that you mentioned in, in your book. Yeah, well, I'm the granddaughter of a woman who lost nine brothers and sisters in the Holocaust. And, um, in, you know, and I'm Jewish. So I think anyone who looks at history, and it's amazing to me that more people don't see this, you know, very clearly, we've been here before. You know, we've seen the rollout of weaponizing medicine and doctors in order to create a two-tier society. That is literally what they did in Germany from 1930 to 1933, before the Nazis were officially in power. Um, we've seen what othering, you know, groups of people does. And also when you look at history, you know, from the work I did earlier on tyranny, I realized by about July of 2020 when we were locked down in New York State by Governor Cuomo and there were edicts that I knew were completely unconstitutional. Like Governor Cuomo said, I can't have more than six people in my home to worship peacefully or to have a neighborly potluck, uh, let alone assemble in our local town hall. Well, that's a violation of my First Amendment right to free assembly and the Fourth Amendment right to privacy. Um, so. I realized that we were under essentially emergency law, and that is, you know, as, as I noted, that's the last step. Um, and by the way, things have just accelerated since then. Uh, many people don't know that President Biden declared uh, extended emergency powers on a federal level in April of 2022. You guys are some of the few people who report on these incredibly important stories. Um, but this time, for the first time, he did so in an open-ended way, with no terminus point. Uh, and state by state, there are about 28 states that are still under emergency law. New York State re-ups every 30 days uh, emergency law. So this is this is not a democracy. This is a very fragile state, more like other tyrannies around the world in which at a moment's notice um, a public health emergency can be declared again and you know what's what could happen to us is visible in other parts of the world in Shanghai you know people were locked in their homes students in Shanghai were you know rising up because they were being like restrained from movement in their homes in Australia they can take you to a quarantine center and armed guards will chase you if you try to escape. In New York State and in Washington State, Board of Health regulations are being you know, introduced to create quarantine detention areas where people will need a court order to get out, you know, and they can be held there if they've been exposed to a bloodborne pathogen. So this is a global script, and it's unfolding around the world at a meta-national level. Uh, it's not partisan, to answer your question directly. We're, we're, I think, deceived and we waste time if we think it's partisan, because look who's doing it, right? It happens to be a left-wing administration here in the U.S., but and a liberal administration in Canada doing the exact same things. Boris Johnson is a conservative. He did the same things, used the same script. Um, and in Australia, it was a it was a conservative party called Liberal. Scott Morrison used the same script, took the same steps, and we've seen this power grab just last week at the level of the World Economic Forum, where. It's not secret anymore. You know, it's like no one has to be a conspiracy theorist. This is happening. You know, they convened and they made it clear that the treaty they wanted to 
in, you know, put forward uh, with the United States as a signatory would raise decision making about public health to a transnational level to you know their nonprofit which is completely not transparent not accountable and that would give them powers to kind of show up uh, with their own forces literally uh, at our door um, and do other things that really I mean what is sovereignty it's the right to self-determination um, and thank God for African nations they said no they know what slavery is and what colonization is and they said hold on we're not going there yet um, but this is a global power grab and we really need to wake up and see it. In your book you do draw quite a few parallels to the authoritarianism of the Chinese Communist Party and the lockdowns. Tell us how you see that. Well the Chinese Communist Party, I was you know, very much educated about this. I didn't know about it um, by people like Frank Gaffney and Reggie Littlejohn and um, they showed me that uh, the Chinese Communist Party has for a long time, I'm not telling you anything you don't know much better than I do, but for a long time been um, establishing kind of institutional pressures on our culture here in the United States, whether it's Confucius centers at universities or um, other kinds of alignments and flows of money that are less obvious uh, to the point where, um, you know, social media companies make sure that they're okay with Chinese norms of censorship, you know, in doing business around the world that affects China or uh, to the extent that our news outlets um, partner with some CCP news outlets. So you've, you know, the, the Chinese Communist Party has made no secret of the fact that they seek to be the world's hegemon. And this actually plays into the hands of plans of global elites. And, you know, when I say this, I say it from lived experience because this, these were people who were, you know, my community, right? I used to be at those cocktail parties. I used to be at those galas. And there, there's no hesitation um, among a global elite of people from all over the world who have more in common now with each other than they do with other men and women in their own nations of Denmark or the United States or Germany or Brazil or whatever. Um, but they, it serves them to have a world that's more like China as long as they're in charge. And so this model of people being tracked 24-7, you know, how do you keep a billion people uh, from rising up and overthrowing tyranny? Well, a social credit system, you know, is an incredibly effective way to do it. Um, and last March of 2021, when I first saw in the United States and in the West and in Europe, the uh, idea of, uh, oh, a vaccine passport will get us out of lockdown. It will give us our lives back. I went right onto a video that was viral. Speaking as a tech CEO now, I have a tech company now, um, warning that this is a social credit system. It starts as a vaccine passport, but literally 20 minutes of coding, you can add on the back end everyone's credit score. You can add what people said on social media. You know, are they a seven to conservative or a two to liberal? You can add their health records and you can switch them on or off. You know, and I warned about this, so easy to see. You know, can you get onto public transportation? Can you shop for groceries? Can you get medical care? Can your children get into school? Well, that's exactly how China innovated it. And then they, and then this model was exported to Israel where 
they were the next petri dish country and indeed people who didn't have a vaccine passport couldn't shop for groceries um, and then it was exported you know to western europe uh, people in france couldn't get on public transportation um, and so this is not freedom this is not the west this is not you know human rights ideals it's not the constitution it is china's model and again the the venn diagram with tech companies is that you know, they aligned in various ways that I show readers in the book. I mean, just Bill and Melinda Gates invested in the vaccines. Facebook, Zuckerberg invested in the vaccines through their nonprofit. Um, uh, Google, you know, invest, owns Baseline, which is where you sign in to get a PCR test. So these tech companies are are looped in on the front end and then they're looped in on the back end because Microsoft built a prototype for the vaccine passport. Everywhere you go uh, in the nexus created by the COVID narrative, right? And the vaccine narrative, everywhere you go, tech companies are harvesting your data, harvesting your data. And people really don't understand in America why that matters. But let me just very quickly end this by saying, here's why it matters. Right now in the West, when you, when you go onto a website or onto an app, you sign in, and you have a password, and you sign out, and then you go about your life. But what the vaccine passport does, and what the harvesting of all of your data all the time, as in China, as in what they're rolling out with vaccine passports does, is it means you, you can never switch off. So that when you sit down with a group of friends, uh, at a restaurant to talk about fighting vaccine passports or you know a, a grassroots movement to restore liberty or whatever you care about the QR code you've swiped right to sit down there scan the menu like we're all encouraged to do contactless world post pandemic um, that's uploading who you are who your friends are to a central database um, and and when and when you're signed in on your vaccine passport you know you can be tracked anywhere you go and there are social networking software tools that create models of networks of you and all your friends, you and the people you have relationships with, you and the people you have businesses with, um, you and the people you're related to. And so you've got to understand that when we say yes to a vaccine passport, we are saying yes to a CCP style social credit system where you can get switched off. And I just want to give a final example. I went to an Ivy League graduation two weeks ago. Ivy League graduation. Rational thinking, presumably, you know, Western tradition, presumably. Unvaccinated parents and vaccinated parents had to upload their data to a Princeton database in order to walk inside the buildings right so all of that all those data are now harvested and the, there are no terms of service so they can go to anyone and it very valuable data um, any any entity can buy them uh, so that's just one example of how the vaccine push is really not about vaccines but it's really about creating a, a, a tracked world in which even Westerners are not free because their movements are being monitored, their relationships are being monitored 24-7. Naomi Wolf, thank you so much. Thank you. I just want to thank everybody for listening to this episode. If you enjoy our content, please leave us a rating and a review as it really goes a long way in helping us spread the truth. Until next time, I'm your host, Steve Lance at NTD, and we'll see you soon. Mm-hmm.